0: You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome everybody to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. Uh I am tired because my mentions are just they have been a disaster <laughs> tonight more than more than usual for some reason. And I think and so basically the way this show is going to happen uh Harrison and I are going to answer a couple of the questions that we got from Twitter and then from there he and I are going to talk uh to Tim Bontemps because I this is going to be our last show. Before the new year, I'm gonna get started on a New Year's resolution before the new year actually kicks in. Harrison will be involved in each and every one of these interviews moving forward, uh, so you guys have that to look forward to. Uh, before we get into anything, like starting starting now or in starting seventeen, starting now, starting now. I'm I. It's it's never too soon to start a New Year's resolution, and and I feel like this is a good one to uphold. So starting now. Uh, my new year's resolution is to include you in in all these uh, all these interviews because they're fun. They're they're and they're, you're Okay, I guess to have around
0: Thanks, man. I I that's actually really nice of you to say I wasn't expecting that I, I appreciate that and I appreciate you
1: Thanks, man. All right, so uh, that was awkward. This is really awkward I'm just gonna go ahead and tell everybody to find the show on audio boom iTunes silver screen and roll tune in stitcher and today's fast break Make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS for SeatGeek and MacWeldon Weldon, and LAKERS10 on BetDSI.com. Uh, so yes, we're going to start with a couple questions, and I feel like multiple people asked this. I I could at each and every one of you, but I, I honestly can't because so many people ask the same question. Was this Dallas loss the worst of the season? Harrison, I'll let you start on that.
0: You know that's tough. Uh, it really might be. I mean, I, I think in conjunction with the other Dallas loss, that's that's their worst two losses of the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Just because Dallas is what well, what is Dallas's record? They have uh, they have ten wins. Uh, I mean, and I guess the Lakers have twelve, so they can't be looking down at them, but. Dallas was just awful to start the year. I remember watching them, and they lit up the Lakers in that first matchup. They lit them up in the second half again tonight. And it's really a team that the Lakers should be running off the floor, and they should be able to beat pretty easily. So, yeah, I I would say that when you combine the context that they've lost to Dallas twice now at home, that's pretty bad, and that is embarrassing. And that that's uh, that's what D'Angelo Russell said after the game. He said these losses are starting to get embar. He said it's starting to get embarrassing on our part. And then he talked about the team wants to figure it out. But I mean, at this point, yeah. The the long story, long answer, short. I think this was probably the most embarrassing loss of the year.
1: I mean, I, I, I mean, guess- what team?
0: Did, what team did they lose to? that it feels like more like they should have beat that team.
1: Did they beat Orlando? I think they got whooped on by Orlando, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. They beat Orlando. Okay, that's another candidate.
1: Like I so my thing is so I think this was this loss because they jumped out the way they did and they they looked like they had it <clears throat> and then immediately jumped into cruise control and then got their butts kind of handed to them. Like I could see why people with recency bias playing a part here would say this is the most you know annoying frustrating loss whatever but like they lost two straight games in which they held 19 point you know third quarter leads they lost in Orlando they lost in Miami they they've lost to this very Mavericks team before you know so I I can't help but you know it while it would be easy to just say yes this is the most uh, this is the worst loss of the season so far i i think personally i i i don't think that necessarily matters as much as this run is starting to i tweeted this out at the very end of the game or maybe not at the very end with like six minutes to go where like earlier in the year i was always i was i found myself hesitant to you know to say well this was an annoying loss you know this this wasn't a very good effort this that and the other uh, because I never knew if the Lakers were going to, you know, fight their way back into a game. Tonight felt like, you know, and tonight and with a couple other games has felt like the first times where I just kind of said, "Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're going to fight their way back into this one," and that's a pretty crushing feeling to have with a with a young and up and coming team, you know. And, and I and I I can't help but f- you know think that. It might be seeping into the actual team itself you know where when things kind of started going you know the Mavericks directions tonight you could kind of just see everybody's shoulders kind of shrug and say oh here we go again gave up another lead and you know we'll see if we can keep this one close that's just it's not a it's not a great vibe around the team and and I think what's more important than calling out a singular bad loss compared to all the other ones I would say that this trend of Whatever whatever muck that they're stuck in right now, whatever rut that they're stuck in right now, feels a lot more devastating than any singular loss.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of ruts, the Lakers have the worst record in the league in December. They should be glad that this month is over. They went 2-14 and 14 in December. And, I mean, that's pretty bad. I, there's not much more I can add to that. O- over that month, they have had the the fifth worst offense in the league and the worst defense in the league by like a pretty by and by extension the worst net rating in the league so they've just been really bad this whole month of december and it's been a real reality check for them after that hot start
1: yeah yeah reality check is a perfect way to put it because you can't help but feel like and this takes us to our next question uh this one is actually from somebody uh here we go um at the book of walrus asks was the first team first 15 games a fluke and is the last 15 uh stretch more representative of this team i i kind of wanted to segue reality check into this because is this the reality is this is this the lakers that we're looking at for the rest of the way i i want to say it isn't i want to say at some point they might figure it out but I just don't know where that would even start. Like, that's that's where this, this game hurts the most, I would say, is that I just I don't necessarily know where the solution starts other than maybe get everybody back healthy because not having Larry Nance Jr. Like, the bench tonight, I, I don't think the bench was very good tonight. Uh, and, you know, not having Nance in there really hurts the bench. So I guess other than getting everybody healthy, I don't know where the solution starts. It might... I hope I'm not coming across too defeated or too pessimistic on this, but I where where would you say the solution would start if if you don't think this is representative of what the Lakers might be looking at for the rest of the year? Well,
0: I think we almost we almost have to call this regression to the mean, right? The mm-hmm. the team they weren't as they the the question was about are they as good as their first fifteen games or are they as bad as their last fifteen games? And this is not. This is not a fun radio hot take that's going to get me paid millions of dollars by certain media outlets. But I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. And I think for the Lakers, part of the solution is going to be not having one of the hardest schedules in the NBA anymore over this second half of the year and uh, entering 2017 or whatever. Uh, during the month of December, the Lakers had the most road games in the, or they were tied for the most road games in the, in the league. They went one and nine over that stretch. And even if you just talk about all months of the league, I think they've put, yeah, they're, they're tied for the most road games so far of any team, and they're 5-15 and 15 on the road. So I think getting a little bit of home cooking is probably going to help them, as kind of bad as that sounds to say, after they just got their asses kicked at home by one of the worst teams in the league. But I think that's going to help them over the second half of the year. Uh, I don't. I guess I don't think they're either team. I think they're somewhere in the middle is about where I thought they'd be. And they're on pace to win about where I had them to win. And I think some of the losses have been recently have been worse than what I would have expected. But, hey, at the beginning of the year, the wins were way better than I expected. So, I mean, I think this is just this is the team kind of coming back to they're coming back down to earth a little bit.
1: Yeah, I happen to agree. And that kinda of takes us directly into the next topic, which I'm so good at this. Yeah, no, it's it's this is perfect. <laughs> and and this is be this will be the last question before we bring uh Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post on. Uh Oh cool.
0: I've been looking forward to talking to Tim.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be a fun conversation. Uh, the last question that I have here, and again, multiple people asked it. It's been a it's been a topic of conversation uh, for for quite some time now. Because everyone Lakers, who
0: sent questions, we really appreciate you. We don't feel like we need to read off your at. If there were a bunch of similar questions, we we know you you guys should know we love you guys.
1: No, we a- we absolutely do. And uh, one of my New Year's resolution is actually putting together a few shirts. Uh, so keep an eye out for that um, as as we get closer to the new year, but. To get back to the point, <clears throat> should the Lakers? I mean, should we should we bring Team Tank back? Should Should Locked On Lakers become the Team Tank podcast again?
0: Uh, well, I don't think our bosses at the Locked On Network would appreciate the name <laughs> change, but I, I know where you're going with the question, and I just come back to this, and, and I've talked about this before. The the team. So let's say they finish with the third worst record in the league. They have a 38.2%. Oh, no, actually, that's because there's a tie right now. If they finish with the third worst record, they have, if I remember correctly, it's around a a 45% chance. Mm -hmm. Second worst, it's 55% chance of just about to keep their pick. If they finish with the worst record... The worst record in the league, which I don't think they're really even in play to do because Philadelphia is just one of the worst basketball teams I've ever watched outside of Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. But even if they out-tank the Sixers, they still would have only a 64.1% chance to keep their pick. Now, they've kept their pick the last couple of years despite the odds not really being in their favor. So the Hunger Games have, of the draft have kind of worked out for the Lakers so far. But how many times do they keep volunteering themselves as tribute before they get killed? Uh,
1: first off, first and foremost, I think everybody should give Harrison a round of applause for the, for the full-on reference hey, all that I'm just to- occurred right there. All I'm
0: saying is Katniss Everdeen only went to the Hunger Games twice. She didn't try her hand a third time, okay? (laughs) She made it out of there twice, and she didn't go back to the cornucopia a third time. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what I'm saying. I don't know how many times you can kind of play those odds and not end up, you know, uh, like, Rue. Yeah. Aw. R.I.P. Rue. This just got really sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. For those of you that haven't read or watched The Hunger Games and didn't understand anything I just said, basically the Lakers shouldn't test their
1: luck. So, uh, for I don't know if you. I honestly I got so caught up in the in the Hunger Games stuff that <laughs> 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 I, was just, I was just like, how long is he going to keep this going? But but the other thing too, I don't know if you mentioned this because again, I was just I was just in awe for the whole time you we were talking <laughs> about the Hunger Games. It's not in the Lakers' control. Like, if they keep on playing this poorly, they're going to continue to lose. So That's it's not a like,
0: fair point. It may not be up to them to volunteer. <laughs> they, it may, may be—they may get their names drawn.
1: Yeah, so, like, it, it, you know, the Lakers just lost tonight to a Dallas Mavericks team that would have been good four years ago. You know, they lost to an Orlando Magic team that before that, I, I had I didn't think you could put a roster together that made less sense than that.
0: Yeah, He's honestly, lost.
1: Dorian Finney-Smith played
0: amazing tonight. But if you had told me that was your 2K create player, I would have believed you.
1: <laughs> and The they, the Lakers lost to Miami, who their best player, I would say, Chris Bosh, I think it would be the best player on that roster, might have to retire with a heart condition.
0: Yeah, he, he didn't play in that. Law. Well, it's not a heart. It's a blood yeah. clots. But
1: I, I, Oh, I thought it was getting back to his heart. They were concerned about his heart as well.
0: I let's we probably should we should bring Dr. Jen on if we're gonna evaluate this. But anyway, Chris Bosch, I agree with you. He is their best player. He has not even played this season. The Lakers still lost to the heat.
1: Yeah, so so the point I'm making here is if if this stretch is is you know, you talked about them being, you know, in the middle of being eight and seven over their first fifteen and then, you know, two and thirteen over the last fifteen, whatever it might be, uh if they're closer to the latter of those two scenarios, then it's not really up to the Lakers to tank. You know, it's it's <laughs> they just aren't good enough to to continue to compete night in night out. Now I don't think and this is why you and I thought that they'd be one of the five
0: worst teams in the league this year, and they're kind of they're headed for that right now. They're uh, they're
1: the seventh worst team in the league right now. And and the other thing too, so like the Lakers could hypothetically. You know they could trade Lou Williams away, uh, for a piece. You know, and and make their team worse, in hopes of getting a higher pick. Or, or I don't know if if they if they made a pick like if they made a move like that, I don't think it would be in the hopes of making their team worse, so much as just getting in. It asset would be cashing back. in
0: on someone who's not going to be on the next good Lakers team. Yeah,
1: so I, I, it wouldn't be a tanking move per se, but it would be a tanking move technically speaking, right? Yes. So. Uh, you know they could do something like that with Lou Williams. They could do something like that with Nick Young, uh, and and go on down the roster. If some team says they want, you know, say Tark Black on their team, who at some point, you know, like the Lakers are in this in, are in this rut right now. And I and I know that Luke Walton is in his first year, and I kind of hesitate in criticizing somebody that hard for some for for something when they're in their first year. But Luke, like. You're kind of mashing your head up against the wall. Tark Black is a better player. I've enjoyed watching Thomas Robinson play, but I'd like to see Tark Black back in the in the in the rotation. Anywho, yeah, uh, I would say I uh, ta-
0: I would say Tark Black is the better player of the two.
1: Yeah. So so uh, I was just kind of quickly alluding to that, you know, as as just some in game analysis or or post game analysis, but the larger point being if the lakers tank i don't think it would because of something it it wouldn't be a concerted effort to do so and the last reason why i don't think it would be a concerted effort to do so is you have jim bus on this timeline and he can't take another ta- another tanking year like he no just,
0: he he has to if if he doesn't want uh, like an insane amount of pressure to step down and or just being fired then he ha- the Lakers have to show progress, and for a while, like back when they were ten and ten, we keep reference- referencing that stretch. But because it's relevant, back when they were ten and ten, it looked like okay, the Lakers are showing progress. You- you're not going to move on from this guy because this team looks so promising. But if the team is falling apart at the seams, they're talking about being embarrassed after losses. Nick Young is talking about they don't want to get b- back to being the doormat Lakers. Mm-hmm. Then you know there might be some changes there if that continues to be the vibe around the team and that continues to be how much they're losing
1: i do think and this will be this might be a this will definitely be a podcast conversation that we have i i I do think a nuanced look at whether jim deserves to come back uh should occur over the next you know few weeks but it's hard for me to necessarily have that conversation because I didn't want to have that conversation at you know when the Lakers were at their highest, and I don't want to have that conversation when they're at their lowest right now,
0: right? It doesn't make sense. If you if you can't handle me at my ten, at my ten and ten, then you can't handle have me at my two and fourteen or something, whatever that yeah, phrase it, thing it, is. it's, it's reverse, but yes. I completely botched that, but it's a, <laughs> you guys
1: know what I meant. Yes, yeah, so uh, it's kind of like I'm being
0: paid to talk
1: so so again so just to just to rehash before we before we bring tim on on this conversation uh the lakers i don't think this was the worst loss of the season uh harrison i i I think you thought so but i i kind of think i brought you off of that stance it sounded like no you you didn't convince me oh okay uh so harrison thought it was the worst loss of the season uh Harrison thinks that they're somewhere in the middle I actually think they might be closer to uh, what they've been recently than what they've been or what they were to start the year uh, and finally if the Lakers do tank uh, I don't think it will be a, a decision that they make by choice I think it would just happen because they aren't a very good roster as they sit right now. now and I don't think that they should be making the effort to do that no. Uh, well, I mean, no. Mathematically speaking, it doesn't make any sense to do so. You know, at best, they get a sixty percent chance, a, a slightly better than a coin flip. A to slightly get there. weighted coin flip. Yeah. So, uh, that does it for for this little preview show. Before we toss to to Tim Bontemps, and he's going to be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to him. Harrison, uh, are, are you looking forward to talking to Tim? Because I would imagine. You were you were there for the first conversation. That was a lot of fun, right? Yeah, I de- I
0: definitely am looking forward to this and, you know, it t- Tim's always fun to chat with. Yeah.
1: New year, new me. I'm going to I'm going to include Harrison on all of these interviews uh as best I possibly can. So we'll uh we'll let let's go ahead and bring Tim on this and we will talk to everybody just as usual. We're gonna we're gonna uh wrap up the conversation after we're done with Tim. So uh I hope thank you everybody again for sending in, in questions. That was the we got really good questions and uh I'm going to, you know, jot down a few of them just as podcast topics as we move along. So make sure you dan- uh t- tune in, stay tuned uh, to see if maybe your name gets called on a later podcast. So let's go ahead and, uh, let's all right, go let's go to Tim. Tim. All right. I am now joined by, by Tim Bontemps. He was on the show previously. He was, uh, he was great. The first time we brought him on, I've been nagging him basically weekly since, uh, <laughs> since he was on the show, uh, previously he is of the Washington post he does great work about all the uh, all the NBA. Uh, he was nice enough to join us on on late notice. How are you? Uh, how's the season treating you? How the holiday season treats you? How are you uh, holding up, Tim?
2: I'm doing well, man. It's good to good to stop back again with you. I uh, got to go home to New York for a couple of days last week, which was nice, and then uh, was in Cleveland for uh, for Clippers or Clippers for Cavs Warriors, which was which was a pretty wild game. And I also went to Cavs Pistons the next day, and I was in New York. Uh, Cleveland and Detroit in December and the weather never got below about 40 degrees and it was sunny every day so that was uh that was the biggest win for me so it worked out it worked out okay
1: yeah it's kind of funny uh, out here in in SoCal we've been talking about like holy cow it's been freezing and and it never dips under 40 <laughs> I know right <laughs> uh so anyway uh, enough about the weather uh there's been plenty uh to do it's funny you mentioned New York uh, that was kind of the the center of a lot of the talking points that's been you know swirling around the Lakers recently. Phil Jackson and Jeannie Bus call off their engagement. They were together for seventeen years, sixteen years or so. Uh, and obviously, you know, for me, it's kind of awkward talking about it because this is this you know people's lives. <laughs> the end of an engagement kind of sucks, but it's hard not to start analyzing what might this mean for the Lakers from where you were you spent the last few years in new york right and uh ever since phil got out there and ever since the lakers have falling in fallen into the tank that they've been in the last couple years there's been this really easy to point to narrative of it's only a matter of time until phil jackson comes out to or returns to the lakers as the as the white horse the white knight uh from what your time out there in New York, did you ever get that vibe? Did that you know, rumor ever make much sense to you?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I i spent I spent nine years, nine plus years work for the Washington Post or for the Washington Post, for the New York Post, and uh um you know, there there that was always from the basically the day Phil got there, it kind of fell right in line with the uh the three year timeline Jeannie Bus kept talking about for her brother. And uh, you know it all kind of you know Phil Jackson has a mutual option in his contract for the end of the season uh, with the Knicks where either he or, or owner James Dolan could get out of the deal if either side wanted to and and so it always it always kind of made sense that at some point Phil would go back and you know be around Gene more and, and be with the Lakers and then you know they hire Luke Walton and he hires Brian Shaw and those are two guys that uh, Phil wanted to coach the Knicks and you know it all kind of it all kind of made sense but. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Tuesday's announcement, you know, kind of obviously threw a monkey wrench into that and, you know, kind of reinforced something that you'd been hearing behind the scenes for a while now, which is that Phil is pretty happy in New York. You know, it wasn't a wasn't a coincidence, I don't think, that Kevin Ding, who you was know, a very good reporter and covered Phil for a very long time for the Register and, you know, now Ursa a Bleacher Report, recently wrote a column saying Phil, um, Phil is very happy in New York and, and wouldn't mind getting a contract extension. Um, you know, I think that's. I think that's a I uh, i think that's a sign of 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 phil being pretty happy where he is and you know it's it it when you kind of put everything together you know the fact that that this happened and, and that the distance between um the distance between the two of them being in new york and la is a is a major reason why it happened um i, I think that you know it, it does seem pretty clear that that you know phil has grown pretty comfortable in new york and that 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 obviously isn't a path that the Lakers can go down now.
1: Yeah, that's that whole uh the way that could play out is pretty much out the window. You, I I can't help but not count anything out with the Lakers because they are the Lakers and weird stuff seems to happen around the franchise. But the other thing that I wanted to add to this conversation was like Lakers fans looked at Phil Jackson as yes, he could come back and he could return the Lakers to glory. And my thing is, aside from the Porzingis pick, which was brilliant, and Porzingis has been phenomenal, I just t- <laughs> I was never really a fan of the job uh, Phil's done out there. And I compare that to what's going on out here with you. You know, Mitch Kupchak has drafted Russell, has drafted Ingram, has drafted Nance, and has drafted. Uh, you know, basically throughout the roster, he has he hasn't really missed on many draft picks. With all that said, though, the Lakers find themselves with the worst record in in the Western Conference, and you know, is it? Do you think it's too easy or an oversimplification to just say, yeah, the Lakers are probably better off with Phil. Phil is better off without the Lakers. Uh, let's just let everybody move on.
2: I mean, I think the devil's advocate position is that the Lakers have drafted no one who's even remotely as good as Porzingis, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to play it that way. And look, I think, I think the, the, bigger, the bigger issue for the Lakers is less about, you know, whether Phil is coming back or not. And, you know, this is kind of what I wrote when I wrote about this situation the other day. You know, the ramifications of this decision for both teams are that for the Knicks, it looks more and more likely that Phil isn't going anywhere, um, James Dolan has always been a guy who's been very happy to have a shield um, and not have anybody in the New York media really talking about him. And, you know, whether you agree with the stuff Phil has gotten himself in trouble with with the media for saying lately or not, uh, he's the one who takes all the slings and arrows now, and uh, Phil and James Dolan just kind of hides in the background and doesn't have to hear anything. So uh, I think it's more likely than not that that Phil isn't going anywhere. And for the Lakers, you know, this all comes back to the central question of, what happens to the Lakers next? Do yeah. they do they keep Mitch and, and Jim, and do they they stay the course with what they've done, or do they um, do they go in another direction? And you know the, the only thing that really changes with that is that you could probably rule out Phil as part of that change in direction. Yeah. Um, it still doesn't it still doesn't change you know that decision. Um, and frankly, look, Janie Buss is the one who's created this problem because she's the one who seized on this one quote that Jim Buss had. And hasn't stopped bringing it up So so she's the one Who's kind of instituted this You know 2017 or bust situation Into the mix and now it's a matter Of waiting to see uh, You know is she going to follow through On on, you know I, Thread is probably a strong word but You know she's made it pretty clear that if this team Isn't good this year she was going to Basically say enough is enough to her brother And look like Have the Lakers made steps forward yes But they're going to stink again Mm -hmm. So he's not going to they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to reach any of the thresholds that they have claimed were reasonable, um, whether it's making the conference finals or the second round or the playoffs at all. So, you know, that to me, the central question hasn't changed, which is what is the future of the Lakers after April 15th? And, you know, the only the only thing we know for sure, at least we think we know for sure, is that barring a change, you know, Phil Jackson is going to be part of it.
1: From where you're sitting do you think Jim deserves a reprise
2: it's kind of hard to say
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I mean it, look if you if you look at um, I mean if you look at what the Lakers have done I think they've done a nice job drafting players um, they like you said I think I think it's safe to say they haven't really missed on anybody um, you know but they also haven't drafted a star. They've had three top seven picks, and, you know, they, they, they didn't draft the, the second. I mean, Chris S. Porzingis is clearly better than D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that's going to change, barring some kind of significant Porzingis injury. Um, so that that was at least a missed opportunity. Um, I think Brandon Ingram's going to be fine. I think last time I was on the show, you know, the guy he reminds me of is Tayshawn Prince. He might handle the ball a little better than Tayshawn, But um, that's also, again, a really good player. Um, but it's not a star. And so – You know, you look at the the new rule changes with the CBA, you look at the roster that they have, and it's kind of hard to see where the Lakers really go from being a team of a bunch of nice pieces, like, say, Utah is now in a couple of years, to a team that's really got those eye-popping guys that are going to kind of lead them into the next, you know, real serious contending era of Lakers basketball. Right. You look around the league at these teams with young guys, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's um, whether it's uh, whether it's Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you, you, you see guys like Carl Towns and Giannis and even in New York with Porzingis. Like the Lakers don't have that that next guy yet. And it will be very interesting to see. Um, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how that all plays out and, and whether, you know, whether they can they can find maybe they get that guy in the draft this year if they're bad enough and somehow keep their pick again. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I think what it comes down to really is, you know, Jeannie Buss has seemingly, to me at least, for the past three years, made it clear that if they didn't start winning, she was going to demand a change, and and say the Lakers need to go in another direction. Um, so, if if the Lakers don't do that, and Jim does stay, if they lose 55 or 60 games again, then I think. I think at that point you have to look at the situation to say that a Jeannie boss has to be considered culpable and whatever happens to Lakers moving forward, because frankly up until now she's gotten no blowback for any of the struggles the team has had.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And B, you know, if, if they don't make a change now, then I don't see any reason why you would make a change anytime soon. Right.
1: Right. Because
2: right. you're, That's what... if you're endorsing. If, if you don't make a change now, what you're saying is we're on the right path. And if, you say, if you're on the right path and you believe in this young group, then it should be another, probably to me, three or four years until you really consider making a change because all these young guys have to have a chance to kind of grow into the players they're going to be. And, you know, deciding to change that a year from now or something wouldn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I was going to piggyback on that point. At some point, you need some kind of consistency at the top. And if you're going to have this hanging over the franchise for, you know, is... Jim gone after this year? Is he gone after this year? Is he gone after this year? At some point, Jeannie needs to come out and say, you know what, I support my brother. I support this front office. This is going to be the face of, of the Lakers in terms of personnel management moving forward. Uh, that way, you know, because if I'm, if I'm an NBA free agent, I'm not going to sign with a team that I don't know if the guy who signed me is necessarily not going to be around very long, right? And And that these decisions are going to reverberate And the lack thereof the the lack of decision I feel like would reverberate even even deeper. Uh, My last point on this uh, is how I kind of think there is a a middle ground to this and this is a theory that I kind of came up with on the fly yesterday and then just kind of thought about it uh, even further as the day has kind of gone along but I could see Jeannie somehow managing the situation where she can make a change for the sake of making a change without necessarily changing the direction of the team and the lakers have ryan west as a director of uh, player personnel they have mitch kupchak obviously as a gm they have you know jim buss is the uh, president of, of basketball operations if they basically have jim step aside and he'd still remain an owner like that's the other thing that I think I don't think people kind of take into account with the situations. He's, it's not like if, if Jim steps down, he sells the team. That's not how that works. Uh, so you have Jim step aside. Mitch, you know, takes a step up into uh, president of basketball operations. You have Ryan West step up into the GM role. And then you somehow convince Jerry West to help, you know, kind of mentor his son into being a – if he's, if he's, well, but let me, let me just,
2: let me, mm-hmm. let me just stop you. I, I think that, I think that it would not shock me at all if Jerry West comes back and has some kind of a role after this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I don't like saying that you're going to move Jim bus out is, is not, is not making a change without making a, a, a big difference. Like that would be a pretty monumental change. Within the uh, within the organization if you if she if she moved him aside um, you know it's not I, I'm not I'm not saying that it's the right or wrong thing to do um, but it, that that would be a pretty you know it, it wouldn't be a minor thing to say you know what we decided we needed to move on from from my brother being in charge of basketball operations yeah I mean that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty huge thing now I, I do I, I do think that you know the chances of a guy like Jerry West coming back and um, his son being elevated and and bringing in, you know, my guess is bringing in another executive also to do day to day stuff is possible. But I think if I think if all of that happens, I think that you're, you see Mitch and, and Jim move on, and then and then everything changes because you know I, I think I think the next general manager of the team, if they keep Mitch and Jim, is Ryan West at some point. I mean, that seems to be clearly the way that is headed. You know, he's gotten more and more responsibility as time has gone on. And, you know, Mitch is an older guy. At some point he would retire. And then you have a in-house guy ready to take over. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you – to me, if you bring in somebody like Jerry and you're, you start promoting somebody like Ryan now, then you're – then I think the only logical thing to do is kind of, you know, move everybody out and start over fresh because, you know, I don't think that's something you could really do – piecemeal wise if that yeah. makes sense
1: no that's 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 a that's a very good point um we'll go ahead and talk really quickly then or we'll, we'll we'll shift gears over here to last time we spoke the lakers you know looked to be on the up and up they had at least a 500 record i, I don't remember the exact record last time we spoke uh now they <laughs> they are uh it hasn't been pretty it things have not been great uh, especially in my mentions over the last couple, <laughs> the last month or so, and the way I kind of put this before we went on the air was, for me, I'm watching, I'm watching a child grow where uh, I can't necessarily notice the the steps either forward or backward or whatever might be going on because I'm I'm focused on the day to day kind of stuff. Whereas you kind of, you've watched from the outside and you step in, and you say, "Holy cow, this is hugely different from what I saw." Compared to uh, you know what I'm seeing now, compared to what I saw in the beginning, have you seen you know if, if you watched any of tonight's game or if you've watched any of the last couple weeks, have you seen a noticeable difference with the Lakers at the first couple weeks of the season to to what you're watching now? Yeah, they're just not very good. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know, you know what they remind me of. Honestly,
2: uh, you remember the Cavs the year after LeBron left? Yes. So the Cavs were, I think, 8-9 and when LeBron showed up for the first time back in Cleveland in early December. And they got their doors blown off in that game, lost by about 7 million points, it felt like. And later that season, they lost 27 games in a row and really cratered. Mm -hmm. And I think think what you're seeing is a a regression to the mean for a team that's just not very good. You know, if you go up and down the Laker roster – They have some talent, you know, guys like Russell and Randall and, um, and Nance, who's now out for a while, uh, you know, Clarkson and, um, Clarkson and Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams have been good off the bench. And Brandon Ingram's a a nice young player, but they don't have a lot of present day talent. And, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, Luke Walton did a really great job of re-energizing a team that needed it. Um, giving them a breath of fresh air and, uh, and kind of allowing everybody to, to kind of breathe deeply after a lot of stress the last couple of years because of, you know, Kobe's presence and Byron Scott being the coach. And, you know, I think, you know, I think all of that was good for them. And I think long-term it will be good for them. But, you know, look, I mean, look, look up and down their roster. They're playing, you know, a bunch of twenty nineteen 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 year old guys, you know, a ton of significant minutes and, you Um, they all, and not like, what did we say at the beginning? Right. None of these guys, like, I think to me, at least I look at their young guys, I don't see a single all-star among the group. So it's not like they've got a Giannis Antetokounmpo on the team where you see this young guy that's really blowing up and you're all right, well, that guy can win a couple games by himself and kind of salvage things. Like they don't, they don't really have those guys. So they have a lot of young guys that are trying to learn how to play and learn what life is like in the NBA, and I think you're just kind of seeing the results of you know a young team that that's trying to find itself, and you know it's probably not going to get much better anytime soon. But you hope that you know after a couple years, you know this and maybe next year, um, these young guys start to develop and get a little older, and maybe like I said, maybe the Lakers get lucky and get their pick again this year and get another young player, and um, you know all of a sudden. Um, you know a year or two from now you're looking at a team with a nice young core that could that can maybe go you know start to be a be a threat again in the west but um you know it's just it's just gonna take some time i think and I think you know the unfortunate thing for the Lakers is while the the hot start was nice i think uh i I think it may have you know to your point about your mentions it may have you know kind of reset people's expectations a little bit too much because you know, there was talk that the Lakers might make the playoffs a month ago. <laughs> oh, I can confirm
1: this. <laughs>
2: oh, I know, and and I and and I and I don't blame people for thinking that. I mean, hell, you look at the West now. You know, yes, they have the most losses in the West, but they're still what I think four games out of a playoff spot. Like even after all these losses, are not they're not even that far out. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they are. They're four games behind Sacramento and Denver, six in the loss column. So, it's not like they're it's not like their season is one hundred percent over for sure. Um but, you know, I, I think you've just kind of seen that this is a team that it's just going to take them a long time to uh, to kind of build back to, you know, where they're used to being. And people thinking that Luke Walton was going to come in and win 45 games right away, I think, have, uh, you know, found out over the last few weeks that it's it's probably not going to quite work that way.
1: Well, and, and you talked about the Lakers players being young, you know, 19, 20, whatever. Luke is the youngest coach in the NBA himself. Yep. Yep. And yep. he's he's just as capable. He started the year, and I think the Lakers to start the year were simply playing harder than everybody they were going against, and that that really matters because it can kind of catch an NBA team off guard any given yes. night. And uh, and so you know that kind of that kind of helped the record early on. Yeah, but, they
2: played the they played the they played the Warriors when uh, when Drake flew down on the team plane, and you know <laughs> they had beat the Thunder the night before, and those guys clearly did not have it mentally in that game, and. Yep. And the Lakers, you know, the Lakers surprised some teams early, I think it's safe to say. They, to your point, they were playing really hard. Um, you know, like they come out of the gate, they beat Houston that opening night. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think they kind of surprised people with the way they were playing, some of the stuff they were doing. Um, but once you get a month into the season, you know, teams kind of adjust and they see what you're doing and they figure it out. And now you've got a young team that, all right, we know we're going to do a certain thing. Well, now everybody's caught up to that, so now you have to change. So what do you do next? So they're in the process of figuring that out. And also, just look at their roster. They don't have very many guys that play any defense. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that that's really been the biggest thing. Like early in the year, they were doing an all right job defensively. They weren't great, but they were they were at least somewhat holding up. Well, if, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now, but if they're not, I think Portland is still dead last because Portland defense has been completely atrocious, but I, I think the Lakers are second last. Second from the bottom of defense, they are. They're giving up almost 110 points per 100 possessions. So, well, and
1: and they're they're far and away the worst defensive team in the league since that 10 and 10 start.
2: Yes, yes, for sure. I mm-hmm. mean, if if you, I, you know, I don't have the numbers exactly right here, but mm-hmm. um, since December 1st, you know, their their defensive rating is is uh, infinity. Yeah, it's I think it's hundred, it's 113, which mm-hmm. is the worst in the league yeah. in 16 games. So, you know, then that actually that actually is all. That's the two and 14 stretch. So, you know. Uh, you know, they're all are Our offense at 101.7, their, their defense, 113. I mean, a, a minus 11 net rating is just, you know, unconscionably bad, um, you know, easily, you know, the worst of the league by f- four points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're they're, 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 they deserve their record. I think it's safe to say. And, you know, I think this goes back to a column I wrote very early in the season, which is that no matter what happens for the Lakers between now and the end of the season, This year is already a win, because you know you have a good coach in Luke Walton. There's uh, there's an important culture change there from the way it was before. Um, You know, with Kobe and Byron gone, it's a much better, more optimistic mood. The focus is properly on the future instead of trying to prop up, you know, the last days of an icon, which I think was made last year in many ways a completely lost season, which I think the Lakers are probably going to regret for a while, and – you know, I think there's there's a lot of things to be happy about in the long term. In the short term, though, it's going to be painful. And, you know, I think now if you're a Laker fan, as painful as it is, you probably want to root for them to, to go something like 10 and 50 or what 36 games. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 mm-hmm. and 38 the rest of the year and yeah. have as many losses as they can get. And and hope that they can land a top seed or a top pick in the draft because, you know, they still don't have, in my opinion, that anchor player. And I mean, if they say win the lottery this year and get Markel Fultz, then they might have that anchor player. And if you have all these young guys and you add a true star to that mix, all right, like then you could, then in a couple of years, you really could be cooking and you could really have a team to be reckoned with in the West. Um, But but even if they don't get that guy, you know, I I still think no matter what happens the rest of the year, as long as everybody stays healthy, I do think it's a success to have this group, you know, growing together with a young coach with, you know, with these young players all playing, getting experience, kind of going through the rigors of of a season and learning the ups and downs of it. I think all that stuff is going to work out very well for them in the long term.
1: So that's actually a perfect segue to to the last point that I kind of wanted to make on this on this podcast was uh, you you talked about you talked about Porzingis and you talked about Giannis and you talked about Towns. And uh, I will completely grant you the fact that the Lakers have nobody anywhere near the atmosphere that those guys are in that like those guys, those guys, you know, it'd be the Lakers would be in a completely different spot right now and I would probably be making a different argument if uh, Chris Pozingus Porzingis was a Laker so that's the caveat that I'm going to make on the front end of, of this theory but I do think that the Lakers are going about this rebuild with the idea that we, want, we don't want one guy you know, we don't want one guy as the face of this franchise early on in their career now I don't know if that's necessarily a product of whether those guys are capable of being that one guy, or if it's a a product of this is what's best for everybody collectively. Now I the reason I and, and the reason I brought up Porzingis is when I look at the Knicks, they're situated pretty well right now. I don't know exactly where they are uh, in the playoff picture, but I do think that as that as that team gets older and as that franchise goes along i'd be a little concerned that porzingis doesn't have anybody around him around his age that can help kind of carry the burden of the Knicks franchise and given the era that the nba is in right now where you need multiple faces of the franchise i kind of think what the lakers are doing seems smart Uh, but i do think they'd be doing it differently if they had porzingis on their roster
2: yeah, I, I think I think you're I, I think you're kind of alluding to the more important point. If the Lakers had somebody worth building a team around, they would be putting that guy out there. Mm-hmm. But they don't. You know, I mean that's the reason they don't have a guy front and center is because they have a bunch of guys that are better in the background. Yeah, and you know, like like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram are all good guys to have in the background of the, the cover of the media guide. Right. Yeah. And and they, but they don't have the guy to stand in front of them. And, and that, that's what they're missing. I mean, if you just swapped out Russell for Porzingis, what would it, what would things be like in LA? I mean, it would be, it would be the Porzingis show every day. And it should be because he would be a guy that you could point to and say, that guy is going to be an all-star for eight years and has a chance to be a franchise player. Mm-hmm. And we can we know we can build around that guy. You know, I, I think I think you're right that they, they aren't rushing to anoint anybody as the next guy. Um and I, I think that I think that in general is a smart move for teams, uh, to not put more pressure than you need to on a young guy. But I think it's also very fair to say that if they had a guy that they looked at and, and could see that he had that kind of a future, I, I think the Lakers in the past have been very clear at showing that they're they're not all at all opposed to making money and to putting putting a guy up there as this is our next the next great Laker. Yeah. Um, they just don't have the next great Laker yet. And, I you know, that especially with the way the CBA has changed, that's the real challenge for this team is they have to go out and find a way to acquire that player um, with a lot of the traditional avenues that they've had to getting them uh, potentially shut down because of. Um, Some of the some of the changes that have been put in to kind of prevent players from deciding that, you know, the best move for them is to leave a smaller market like, say, Paul George in Indiana or Russell West Westbrook in Oklahoma City to to go join the Lakers and play with them.
1: Yeah, I I think uh, the, the two arguments go hand in hand. And I will completely cop to the fact that if Porzingis was on the team, I probably wouldn't have come up with the theory. Uh, I, but, well, I don't think you're wrong. I just yeah. think I,
2: I think I,
1: I think I think
2: the Lakers deserve credit for not trying to make one of these guys into something they're not. Yeah, like I, I don't think you're wrong about that. Like, it, it would be it would be detrimental to one of these young guys if they um if they had this if they if they were being propped up as the equal of a guy like Porzingis or Carl Towns, mm-hmm. right? Like they just don't have. Like maybe I'll be wrong and. Brandon Ingram will turn into a superstar or Russell will take a bigger lead than I expect. Or, you know, I, Julius Randall becomes a four time all star. Like I'm not saying that's impossible. Um, but I, I think from an objective viewpoint, you look around the league at all of the young, you know, guys that look like they're budding stars and they're just all on another level than these Laker guys. Yeah. And um, I, I think that the Lakers deserve credit for not trying to turn one of those guys into that kind of a player, um, from the from a like public perception standpoint, because I mean you you know better than anybody being being in in SoCal, you know it, it's already hard enough for guys to to be on the Lakers and not immediately be um, turned into the next Kobe or or Mike Magic Johnson or Wilt or whatever in the long story history of the franchise, yeah. and it, it would certainly would be harder if the team is going this is our next guy right here um, when he can't handle it. Um, but so I, I do think they deserve credit for it, but like I said before, I think if, if they had that guy, I also don't think they'd have any problem saying, here's our guy. Um, and, it, and if they do say win the lottery and get Markel Fultz or whoever the, the, the top pick in the draft is next year, if that guy looks like that guy, it, it probably quickly will become clear that everybody's ready to say that here's our guy. Um, but they just, they just don't have him yet.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been kind of interesting. They've, they've legitimately sprinted away from the concept of a guy this year like anytime anytime it's come up like for a portion for a little, you know short stretch of the year people said julius Randle was the the straw that stirred the drink and for a portion of the year people said you, you know d'angelo russell is obviously going to be you know the next guy and in all of those cases the lakers as an organization have kind of said like uh ah. <laughs> Let's hold off on that for a little bit and see how these guys grow together. And like you said, I I, I, uh, I like what they're trying to do there. And then I think in general too, it makes more sense for them to have these kids all kind of grow at the same pace because that's what it takes to be successful in the, in the NBA. Like outside of James Harden, and I don't know if Houston's success – is necessarily all that sustainable outside of James Harden? There is no NBA team that's being just kind of completely driven by by a you know a singular talent. Uh, so you know we'll see how this works out though for the Lakers. Um, Tim, this was a lot of fun again. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, you know jumping on at, at this hour that you did. Uh, I I've enjoyed reading all the stuff that you've uh, put out there. Anything uh, anything big coming on the horizon there for uh, for the Wapo?
2: I'm um, trying to think. Uh, I, get, I have a column coming out on Friday about uh, St. Ben and the Pistons. I was there on Monday. Um, oh, that's them interesting. Trying to, them trying to, uh, you know, they've had obviously a bit of a rough start, you know, getting Reggie Jackson back into the mix, and they they were kind of a team that, you know, was supposed to take a step forward this year and hasn't, so... Um, wrote about that and, and the always irascible uh, Stan Van Gundy uh, being <laughs> being kind of a miserable curmudgeon as his team stinks. Uh, so that was fun. And uh, on Monday, I have uh, I'm, I'm going to have a column coming out, kind of looking at um, some of the key storylines ahead in uh, in 2017 um, for for the NBA and basketball in general. Um, some stuff to watch out for, which uh, should also have some Laker stuff in it. So I guess Laker fans, uh, I guess Laker fans can look forward to that after they uh, they celebrate the New Year this weekend.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, anytime Tim writes about the Lakers, it's I'm assigning homework to everybody who listens to the show. You have to go. <laughs> you have to go read that. Uh, thanks, Tim, for for hopping on with us and uh, enjoy your evening.
2: Hey, happy to come on, Anthony, and, uh, and look forward to it again sometime soon. Thanks Great. for having
1: me. And thanks again, very much to to Tim BonTEMPS of the Washington Post for for hopping on with us again. He was great. He was a lot wait, of wait was oh what was great was great. Yeah, that's what happens when a conversation occurs in in the past. Uh, so you
0: once again recorded an interview without me. You you broke your New Year. You broke your twenty seventeen resolution before <laughs> twenty seventeen.
1: Uh, you know, now that you put it that way, I, I feel kind of bad about it. Uh, I am not proud of what just took place, uh, but Tim was pretty great. So you know, at the end of the day, it's about what's best for the show, right?
0: Yeah, I'm a team player. I'm sure. I'm. Uh, I'm sure Tim was wonderful.
1: All right. Now that now that the next time you and I talk, it will be 2017, and I do promise to to uphold my resolution in the actual new year i this is what honestly this is what happens when you try to overachieve and start taking care of a resolution before the year even starts so for those listening don't overachieve just achieve
0: am i supposed to have a response to that i don't know
1: uh, i mean you, you could have chuckled like
0: <laughs> i mean yeah way to, way to go believe in your dreams i don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag life goals. I, I don't know what you want from me there. <laughs> uh, before before we go, before we go, I do think you know this is going to be the, the last uh, episode of Locked on Lakers of 2016. I do want to wholeheartedly thank everybody who listens to the show, all the people who subscribe, all the people who review on iTunes or, or send us questions when we ask for them. I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, For the support that you guys have given the show. Uh, We literally would not be here without you. So uh, we love you. We thank you very much. And we, uh, we hope to provide as much hashtag content as we possibly can as we head into 2017. Yeah, and uh, I just I
0: really quick want to give a shout out to even the people who come up to me at games. I I really appreciate that. It uh it, it's cool to know that they're like actual human beings listening to the show and put faces with names. And so always feel free to introduce yourself if you see me at a game and you listen to the show. Shout out to Lisa for uh, coming up and meeting with me at halftime the other day.
1: Absolutely, and and yes, the 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 people again. It's just uh, it's crazy. We we started the show what three years ago, three ish years ago. Yeah, something like that. And uh and it's gone from a conversation that was accidentally recorded to wherever the heck we find ourselves now and and I can't wait to see what the show becomes as the years go along. And again, we would not be here without you guys. So, uh be safe over the holiday. Be safe, you know, if you're going to ring in the new year, do so safely. Order an Uber, order a Lyft and uh and get home safely from wherever you might be. Uh 2016 was was uh, was a rough one in terms of, of of death and stuff. So let's let's try to change that in 2017. So uh, have a good one, everybody. We will talk to you soon. Uh, thank you, Harrison. I I, I do want to thank you. I give you a hard time with the, with the interviews and stuff, but but thank you for it's been it's been a fun ride, bro.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, the feeling is you know more than mutual, Anthony. More than
1: you had to one up me, huh? All right, man. Yeah. We, I take that back. You had a one up me, and I take everything that I just said back.
0: <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs>
1: we'll see you in 2017.